0: so treating y'all.
1: Well, I'm working from home now, so that's why I'm recording out here in the kitchen. That's good,
0: right? Yeah, I don't have to
1: commute.
0: And wear that fucking mask all all day, every day.
1: Exactly. Oh, my God. Don't have to commute. Well, by commute, I mean, like, spend $30 a day on Ubers. (laughs) Don't have to. Well, it makes a difference. And also, I get to just wake up, like, 10 minutes before my shift, and I'm like... That's ideal. (laughs) And also, in between calls, I can just be on my laptop or, like, my phone or something. I don't have to be... In an office just It's almost like staring. the office
0: was a bad idea to begin with. Yeah. Just Seems in general, like the concept of an office was...
1: The concept of a nine-to-five, five-day work week. Maybe if you're like Bill
0: Clinton and there's like hoodies to, to... To like assault. <laughs> assault. Where are
1: you going with this?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's like, not a good color on you. Who's the office made for is my question. And that's sort of the first place um, in my mind went. People who benefit from the office I know, as Like a straight
1: white man, bro.
0: Yeah. I guess so.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I would love to abolish that night five five day work week. <laughs> I think I about Bill Clinton five a lot. A week. Actually.
0: Why? <laughs> he was yeah. the president when I was growing up in the states. I guess. Yeah, he was... and he was cool. He had like the yeah the saxophone, saxophone, saxophone exactly. Yeah. And he was a Democrat, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah, he was. He like I don't and know. He was like the we cool were, like, president. He, he Girlnuts told us that the Democrats were the ones that liked kids in school, and we were like, we're kids in school. <laughs> We had like a fake little vote in um, primary school when it was the Al Gore-Bush election and all of the kids voted for Al Gore. Who did you vote for? And we were just so shattered when Bush won. It was like, that's not who we voted for. (laughs) It's almost
1: like (laughs) no one was listening to a bunch of (laughs) eight-year-olds. With our
0: little fake color in voting ballots. (laughs)
1: Uh You know what I really like in America? When they vote, they get the little sticker, the yeah. I voted
0: sticker. Well, when I went, like not related, but also related, when I went and got, um, my vaccinations as a kid, I also got stickers.
1: Oh yeah, you get like the yeah. booster stickers. Yeah. You get like a little book, and then you fill it up with stickers. Oh, I just of, put like, them on word. my
0: on my little sweater because it would it would have like a picture of a tiger with a baseball cap, and it would be like, I was brave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we should get you those
0: I would love some more of those um, they were like proper stickers too they were like the size of a like a party pie
1: okay, okay. so speaking of crime um, this week on <laughs> illiterature <in> illiterature <laughs>
0: starring Sam on the mic
1: and Sandy on the other mic <laughs> Alana on the mute <laughs> she's just doing Auslan <laughs> um,
0: it's ninety-five percent facial expression.
1: Yeah, I remember know. the I um that hot Auslan. Auslan guy, the hot the Auslan guy. Which
0: one? They're yeah. all hot.
1: Um, it's usually old ladies. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you, are you saying old ladies can't be talks. hot,
0: Sam. You discriminatory.
1: Yeah, I don't want person. to fucking old lady. All right, I don't know about you, but I don't want to fucking old lady. Are you disappointed? <laughs> <Do> you...
0: <laughs>
1: Did you have, have something planned, have planned for, for, us for us in the future? This here. doesn't. This shouldn't be the podcast, but j- literally when came f- over on the weekend, I, like my vagina is just numb. Like, it's oh just, wow, he just put it. To just sleep. Received a pounding. Yeah, just like so Nyquil. Good it's
0: Nyquil. There you go. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm glad you have that to get you Thank through this you so trying much. time.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Mm. I am glad that I have that.
0: And you also have. Me. In Cold what Blood by Truman Capote, published in 1966. Nice now segue. that I made that segue, you have to keep the bit about. <laughs> so, In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. You you know Truman Capote. You read Breakfast at Tiffany's.
1: Yeah, bro, I read some Brexit tiffs. <laughs> he was like to... a
0: hugely, hugely famous, popular. You know, one of the first real. I don't know. That's I'm talking out of my ass, but like a real celebrity, writer. Um, of his day like he's he's not only publishing books but he's also in the tabloids you know kind of thing we don't really have that so much more I was thinking about it today I think the only equivalent would be like JK Rowling and maybe Stephen King
1: is um is Truman Capote like trans exclusionary as well as only well probably but you know Um,
0: maybe he was he's um he's generally accepted to have been gay um, very, very gay He had like a life partner I think his name is Jack something He was also a writer But obviously not as famous I'm just going to Google him quickly Because I didn't actually look up a biography Or anything of him I just absorbed what I could through the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie Which is really good And you should all see
1: What's it called? Capote? It's
0: called Capote
1: Oh bro <laughs> Oh my neck feels cold now That I partners His name still.
0: was Jack Dunphy An American novelist and playwright Partner of Truman Capote. 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 Capote.
1: Capote. All right. So all I know about in true blood, in cold blood. In, in true blood. blood, blood the vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy <Back> book. Fuck <laughs> <It was> amazing. <sighs> You're 13 and grounded and I'm like 13 and still thinking about vampires <laughs> and like MCR and, and stuff. And this is
0: us passing notes in English class. Oh, that's cute. I like that. Why
1: wouldn't you be in my grade? Would you held down a year? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I went Maybe, up a year. Yeah,
0: hey, don't talk yourself down. Maybe you were super smart and got put up.
1: I was super smart. Why do you think I'm such a sad adult? When you're <laughs> um, a smart kid, you're usually a sad adult. It's true. It's true. When you're a stupid kid, you're you're mm. you're depressed. Oh, Alana,
0: Alana <laughs> just put. No, you at weren't. Herself. You
1: were precocious and a nerd. Mm-hmm. You were scared of upsetting your old parents. Yeah, I'm coming for you.
0: <laughs> Alana's 13 grounded as well.
1: As if she'd ever get grounded, she'd just start crying They're like Alana. And she's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's,
0: she's That's exactly okay. what would happen. Big famous writer I think this was his last published book. I'm pretty sure. What would happen His to last them? finished book. And I think it, and I'm pretty sure it was. Let me just double check this to make sure.
1: Oh my god! The you follow up anything? to
0: Breakfast at Tiffany's.
1: So like a sequel?
0: No, but <laughs> his, his, <laughs> shut oh, the goodness. fuck up. I can't. It was it's his a last podcast. finished book after, and it was the book he wrote after Breakfast at Tiffany's. So he's at the height of his fame right now as well. And this Did is he like what this happened? is gonna be my magnum opus, and this is gonna change literature forever. I'm going to invent a genre.
1: Why didn't he write another one then?
0: Um, I think he died. Or something.
1: He died or something. Okay. That's good enough. For yeah,
0: me. Years Following Cold Blood. So if it's published in... When did I say it was published in? 61. 60, 66.
1: Mm, five years plus.
0: Oh, he, he went to rehab for alcoholism and then he eventually, yeah. Cocked ah. it. In the 80s. But this was his book, his magnum opus. He said it would change the way novels were conceived of, the way people wrote. Um, and it was one of the first books to pioneer a genre termed the non-fiction novel. So similarly to how we talked about Maya Angelou's biography, I would say that's like a non-fiction novel. Um, it's it's not it's a nonfiction events written in the style of a novel with dialogue with chapters scenes, oh. kind of thing.
1: But so it's like based on true events.
0: Everything in it, according to Truman Capote, we'll get into that more later. Everything it's in it
1: little,
0: is supposed to have happened exactly as he wrote it down. So he's trying to so marry
1: sleuth. Okay.
0: Yeah, he's trying to marry journalism and novel writing. <laughs> so and Let's it's also it. true crime
1: does this have anything to do with that very ominous message you sent me when you were like the scariest <laughs> killers are the ones that kill all their families just out of nowhere like i was said the night. most interesting
0: killer is the family annihilator and no it's actually different <laughs> it okay something else that i was
1: reading about i was having a very calm night and then i just saw that and then i was like don't want to get into that
0: no one wanted to talk to me about it
1: no one ever wants to talk about that.
0: This is, you know, don't ignore people. That's how bad things end up happening. Just saying. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> so, part one of Truman Capote's last completed book, In Cold Blood.
1: How many parts is, is this? It's
0: titled, there's four, and it's called The Last to See Them Alive. And it does exactly mm-hmm. what it says on the label. We're going to learn about the, the last people to see them alive. In case you Trim. were wondering. Um, we start off with a description of the small town of Holcomb, deep in the high plains of western Kansas, a place, according to Truman Capote, that other Kansans call, quote, out there. We're isolated. We're in the country. Okay. Well, I was yep. like, are
1: they flamboyant or are they just distant?
0: <laughs> They're a bit out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, a well-to-do farmer named Herbert Clutter eats an apple and a glass of milk for breakfast. David ate an apple for breakfast the other day, and I, t- and I told him, you know that was, what uh, this person in the book I'm reading breakfast. did right before yeah. he got shot in the head.
1: Oh, never mind. Okay. Did you shoot David in the head?
0: No, he's fine. David, <laughs> I'm fine.
1: he's just like his arm out just like in a toy (laughs) story
0: Herbert Clutter's farm is named River Valley and he sets out greeting one of his hard hands as he goes about his work day we learn that it will be the last of his life on the other side of the state a man in his late 20s named Perry Smith has a breakfast of aspirin and cigarettes (laughs) sam just shuck um she relates he is half cherokee and half irish american a friend of his from his time in prison comes to pick him up back at the clutter house 16 year old nancy the daughter of herb is awoken by a phone call Uh a local girl a few years younger than her wants to come over to learn from nancy how to make cherry pies Oh Yeah, it's cute, isn't it?
1: Nancy's We're gonna die. Yeah,
0: she's gonna die. Nancy's pies have won awards at the local fair. Oh, she's Nancy. great. Nancy, it is told, as if from a friend recollecting her life, was always very organized. Um, And she arra- rearranges her very busy schedule to make time for the girl. <laughs> Just send her
1: a fucking recipe. What is happening?
0: No, she's got a t-shirt. I don't know. It's the 60s. You can't... They don't even have fax machines or whatever. They had post... Yeah, they did. Not much, though, out in rural Kansas. She is sort of portrayed as this perfect American sweetheart. She takes a phone call from her friend Susan and tells Susan about her date with Bobby Rupp the previous night. Oh, my God. Is he the quarterback? Uh, they're all farmers. I don't know if they...
1: Is he the quarterback of the farm? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, and she tells Susan how Herb, her father, wants her to break off the relationship. <gasps> Why? As the two families are from different sects of Christianity. I think like Methodist and Baptist or something. Um, so they're never going to be allowed to get married. So um, maybe she should start winding the relationship down. <laughs> but I know dads are mean. But she really likes yeah. Bobby. Did you write that down?
1: Dads <laughs> <No>. are mean. <laughs> no, that was an ad
0: lib. That was off the cuff. Wow. Um, it came from the heart. But she really likes Bobby, so it's a point of tension between them, you know? Between her and her dad. She Where's al- the mom? Well, I'll tell ya. Mm. Um, but Nancy also mentions that she seems to have been smelling cigarette smoke around the house lately, and that her father mm. seems more worried than normal, which is extra strange because Bonnie, her mother, his wife, uh, though long plagued by mental illness, has been getting better lately. So why okay. would he be like, extra stressed out? Um, Bonnie, Um, I didn't write it down, but Bonnie had post and prenatal depression really bad with each of her four children and after the last kid it kind of never went away so she's um, sort of in bed half the day um, you know being a housewife in the late 50s it's like a recipe for depression even if you didn't have chemical issues going on well it is There there was a fucking valium epidemic among the housewives of America in the 50s like it's not a it. not the ideal life but yeah so that's Bonnie but she's been getting better lately she heard from a surgeon that um her depression might be coming actually from like a neck complaint that would be fixable with surgery there might be some kind of nerve Aww. situation and she she chooses to believe that that's the case and and that makes her excited because it means that it, it's curable that's good um and so almost Truman says almost like in rehearsal for when she's fixed she's um already getting better and is more energetic and is you know got a new lease on life sort of so why is time to die yeah well yeah exactly so <laughs> but that why is the dad stressed out what's going on there um Death. cutting back to perry and dick um the two young hoodlums
1: okay
0: dick is driving a black cadillac he, I know, nice. He and Perry John. take, did you just Heimlich maneuver yourself, Alana? <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. It could,
1: actually. I've done that to myself to get a burp You out.
0: shouldn't, because that's how you break ribs. The Heimlich maneuver has never been proven in a
1: I haven't been hitting course. my ribs. And if anything's sticking into my lung, it sure is not my rib. <laughs> just, like, rip
0: Well, then it's not the Heimlich maneuver, is it? A silly goose. I'm
1: just burping myself like a baby. That's how you burp babies. You punch them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> burp, you son of a bitch. Sam's open oh. for babysitting. Yep. Yeah. He and Perry take it to the mechanic repair shop where Dick works for a tune-up, preparing for a long drive. Where are they Ooh. going?
1: I don't know. You're going to tell me. Stop yeah. asking me.
0: Nancy finishes teaching Jolene Katz how to bake cherry pies. She oh. has to leave to attend another errand. She's you know, a woman about town. She's got lots to do. So Bonnie waits with Jolene um, for Jolene's mother to come pick her up. She shows Jolene a collection of miniatures she has um, wherein she finds joy and relief from her depression. She gifts Jolene a miniature fan.
1: How small are we talking?
0: I'm imagining like matchbox sized. When Jolene <sighs> leaves um, Bonnie goes back to bed feeling very depressed. So. Oh no. Perry and be Dick like that, meanwhile though are getting cleaned up for the drive so dick is athletic and strong perry has a muscular upper body but his legs were badly damaged in a motorcycle accident and they're quite small and they give him a lot of pain hence the aspirin addiction they're both tattooed dick has a lot of basic sort of stick and pokes with like there's a skull and like a love heart with a girl's name in it or like mom or something (laughs) um perry has fewer tattoos but his are nicer and more detailed i think we hear that he got them in hawaii um oh, they're a bit fancier the tri- he
1: has tribal ones
0: <laughs> yeah so as they drive across the state they stop to buy rubber gloves and a rope perry suggests oh, never good getting some black stockings to wear over their heads to disguise their identities oh, no. just i haven't even told you they're planning a crime yet so they may as well just be going to the cinema that would be funny
1: why would you bring rope, gloves, and black stockings to the cinema?
0: For um.
1: Don't just keep going. <laughs> okay. Don't, um... don't try. Don't 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 do anything. <laughs> don't I'm improve. <laughs> don't improv. Just prove.
0: <laughs> Dick brushes the idea off, saying, "No witnesses." Oh no. The youngest clutter boy, whose name is Kenyon, a boy of fifteen, is in the basement room that he and his sister converted into a kid's clubhouse sort of thing, um, at a workshop. She, like, cross-stitched a bunch of pillowcases for it, and he sort of set up Mm -hmm. all the furniture and stuff.
1: I'm gonna die in there. Yeah, well.
0: (laughs) He's working down there on a hope chest for one of the older sisters who's left home already and is about to get married. Uh, He loves cars and tinkering and stuff, but he isn't super into girls yet. He and his best friend sometimes go out in his old car, which he's named the Coyote Wagon, because um, <laughs> they love to use it to chase after and scare coyotes, <laughs> um, among other teen boy things. His best friend, though, recently has gotten into girls, which is a bit of a bummer oh. um, for Kenyon. Kenyon goes outside and talks to Mr. Helms, the husband of the Clutter's housekeeper, who I assume is named Mrs. Helms. <laughs> Ken... What is... How do you spell his name? Kenyon. K-E-N-Y-O-N.
1: Ugh. Alright.
0: <laughs> I actually know someone called Kenyon. I thought it was like he was the only one, and then I read this. So I'm gonna tell him next time I see him. I'm like, the only other person I've ever heard of with your name got shot in the face.
1: Where are you meeting other people? You know what? Where did you meet this person?
0: This was before lockdown, I promise. He's a swordcraft guy. He like shooting arrows. No,
1: and... no. Not because it's lockdown. I'm just like... Oh, because I'm not allowed I to have, have other friends? have other friends? <laughs> who's... Who's... Who's they? who they are <laughs> who they is <laughs> uh sword crap it doesn't matter Yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> it's fine not threatened
0: <laughs> they both know so kenyon and this groundskeeper guy and mr helms both note that an insurance salesman is visiting mr herb clutter oh no it's a life insurance plan herb is thoughtful and somber as most people tend to be when buying life insurance the agent says later the agent leaves with the first payment in his pocket. Oh. Yeah.
1: Who is it again? Who is it for? Like the mom bought it? Do we know? For all the family. Who was it taken? Okay.
0: Dick and Perry have stopped at a convent to try and convince the nuns to sell them some black stockings. Perry sends okay. Dick inside to try to get them. And when he comes out empty handed, Perry thinks he probably didn't even ask. Um, apparently, Dick has a problem with nuns, so Perry thinks he's like chickened out. It's like you didn't even ask them, did you? And Dick's like, what? Who <laughs> Dick <laughs> He's always just like, is like
1: on like a wafer. He's genuinely. Like, Dick
0: always calls Perry like, honey. He's like, how's it going, honey? Very like. Don't make me.
1: Don't make me like them. Charming. I don't know what's going on. I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> charming Southern boy. Perry remembers the real reason he came to Kansas, which was a viol- which is a violation of the terms of his parole. By the way, on um, both of their parole, I'm pretty sure. Um, to hook up with Dick, sure, but more importantly, to meet up with another guy he knew called Willie Jay, who was a religious mentor to him from his time in prison. Um, okay. Who he's heard is being released. Um, when he was, like, sort of hanging with Willie Jay in prison, Willie Jay inspired him and he painted this huge portrait of Jesus that's now, like, hanging in the warden's office or something, because it was quite good. And yeah, he got he got Perry, who's naturally kind of like atheistic, to kind of get into religion a bit more, because because Willie Jay is just this really charismatic kind of guy, um, who yeah, kind cult of took leader. took Perry under his wing. Um, but unfortunately, it ships in the night, and he just misses Willie Jay. He's already left. Um, by the time Perry gets there, so he decides to stick with Dick. You see, Dick has heard about a big score somewhere in Holcomb. Dick drives, and Perry plays songs on his guitar. He had a dream about becoming a famous singer and playing for big crowds in Las Vegas. They share orange and vodka. Basically a screwdriver, but they call it another yeah. name, which I forget what it what is. What is it? Something girly. God damn it. it. You can't say
1: they call it another name, then not tell me the I name. forget.
0: The, the thing I mm-hmm. was going off here, the notes I was going off here weren't very detailed, so most of the details I'm giving you are just for memory, so I might get it a little bit wrong. But it's something like an orange blossom or something girly like that. That's what they call it. The following Monday... Bobby Rupp describes his last night, which was the Saturday night, with the clutters to the police. Mm. He went over and watched TV with the family. It was a nice, quiet night. He left at 11. Dick and Perry have a steak dinner. Perry wants to tell Dick about a recurring dream he's had, that a giant, yellow, parrot-like bird comes and rescues him. But Dick ignores him. Dick's a very practical man's a man kind of guy. He doesn't really get the romantic, thoughtful side of Perry.
1: Perry's the one with the botched legs, right? Yeah, and he asked for a guy. Yeah, yeah motorcycle okay.
0: accident. Um, so they're moving on to Garden City, the nearest big city to Holcomb, was the impression that I got. There they buy some gas, and Perry's legs are causing him great pain. He spends a long enough time in the bathroom trying to stand up again Hmm. that the attendant actually notices and dick recalls that he thought that it meant perry was having second thoughts about the endeavor that they were about to embark upon Hmm. nancy clutter meanwhile in her pretty white pink and blue bedroom makes an entry in her diary she's fastidious about keeping it she describes bobby's visit and the tv watching Mostly her diary is short, matter-of-fact, descriptions of her day, although some pages contain emotional outbursts. One of them says something like, I love him. You know, talking about Bobby and, and, you know, her father. How old is she? 16. Okay. She puts her pen down and lays out her dress for church the next day. It's the prettiest mm-hmm. one she owns. Um, and she made it herself. It's red velvet. Dick and Perry pull up to the Clutter home. Why?
1: No. What city is the Clutter home in? Is this a it's Havisham? In a little,
0: it's a little. It's a little town called Holcomb in Weston Kansas. Holcomb,
1: Havisham. Who am I thinking of? Is that some Havisham J- was from
0: Great uh, The Great Expectations, Charles Dickens. That <laughs> was the name of the gilded bride. Oh, yeah. It was.
1: <laughs> Season one. Uh.
0: Listen to it. The next morning, a schoolmate of Nancy Clutter, also called Nancy. Um, but her last name is Ewalt comes to the house the next morning no one answers the door so she and her father go ask Susan Kidwell, Nancy's best friend and I think neighbor um, if she knows what's going on the three of them Mm. approach the house together and the dad lets the two girls go on inside without him what? no Um, when they're in there he starts to wonder if that was the right thing to do it wasn't when they exit the house they're screaming
1: yeah God. Call the cops. What's <laughs> happening? Hello.
0: We cut to the local mail messenger, Sadie Truett, who sees ambulances approaching the clutter farm and is a bit concerned. She and her daughter, daughter Myrtle Claire, who is a rough Daudle. <laughs> Daudle that, yeah. who is a rough hard-boiled type of character. They both hear the, the news. The daughter
1: or the, the, daughter, m- the male yeah. woman.
0: They're both male but, like, women. This little
1: child is, oh, it's not a child. Okay, never mind. No,
0: uh, adult daughter. I think Sadie's like old and her daughter's like grown okay
1: and their eggs okay
0: She, the yeah, hard-boiled ones um both hear the news of the quadruple murder on the radio <sighs> myrtle is cynical about the news but they are both shocked that morning quadruple
1: murder hang on hang on sorry so there's the mom the dad and there's three kids in the house right because there's only two um, the
0: older one who's getting married doesn't live there
1: but what about the other one? The one that he... Oh, it's Nancy and the other one and that Penyon have the little club that are out. At home. Where's the other one?
0: Um, I think she lives with her fiance or something. She lives. She doesn't live. So, there. Oh, there's
1: only. I thought there was four kids. I think
0: there might be, but two of them don't live at home.
1: Okay. All right. The older two don't
0: live at home, and one of them's about to get married. The other one, I think, already is married. Yeah. Really. But they don't really come mm-hmm. into the story because they don't yeah. get murdered. So. Spoilers: People are gonna get murdered. The morning news. Uh, was announced from Sunday morning church pulpits and over the radio. A lot of the men in town converge on a place called Hartman's Ca- Cafe, where Bess Hartman, the owner, realizes that the killer was probably someone she knows. Someone from the town. Susan, Nancy's best friend, and Bobby Rupp, her boyfriend, are hysterical for some reason. I don't know why. Like, like, something like they're funny right now? No, 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 like, <laughs> stop it <They're> killing it <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile Perry Smith is sleeping in a hotel while Dick has a sit down dinner with his family who live in Kansas I'm pretty sure or nearby he tells them that he and Perry were going to visit Perry's sister in Fort Scott after dinner Dick sleeps like a baby a group of townsmen, Mr. Clutter's old hunting buddies, go to the crime scene uh, and do the, the crime scene cleanup.
1: Are there cops in this town? Is this getting investigated? What's well, happening hold on.
0: here? All the stuff inside the house has to be burned and the men consider it their Christian duty to help out. Meanwhile, the KBI, Kansas Bureau of Investigation, is finally arriving on the scene. So the cops did the, the initial processing of the yeah. crime scene and now the the, you know, State Bureau of Investigation is here. So a man named Alvin Dewey is the agent in charge. He's a mild man with a wife and a young family. He has no clues, save for two sets of distinctive footprints. Um, They're referred to as diamond and cat's paw. So I don't really know what that means, but I'm sure it means something if you're a cop.
1: Any cops out there listening to this?
0: Uh, (laughs) in about. Uh,
1: (laughs) Quit your jobs, bro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Jesus.
1: (laughs) Get cancelled. Yeah.
0: By who? The cops? You mean arrested? Arrested. <laughs> <laughs> um, me, officer? Agent Dewey suspects that there was more than one murderer involved. It'd be hard for one man, I think, to kill four people or just subdue them all. But he's having trouble figuring out a motive. There was little money in the house, and while some was stolen, like $40 or something, a bunch of expensive stuff seemed to be left. Nancy... They figure out that Nancy saw what was happening or or woke up before she was tied to the bed and killed because they found her watch her nice sort of watch that was given as a present or something it was hidden inside one of her shoes in her closet so -hmm. they suspected that she'd woken up heard something going on in the house figured they were being robbed and then hid her prized possession the watch in a Mm -hmm. shoe Also, Dewey guesses that the murderers were close to the family, which would account for the violence, which seems excessive, and also that they seem to know the layout of the house.
1: Do we find out how they were killed?
0: Yeah. But not for a long time.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake.
0: Capote keeps us in suspense.
1: I know. So, um, I'm kind of spooked. Why am I... Is there an... (laughs) Come in here. Protect me.
0: (laughs) Mr. Clutter, uh-huh. oh, I can tell you how they were found. Mr. Clutter was found tied up down in the furnace room um, um. next to the basement with his neck slit and shot in the head. Kenyon was tied to a couch in the basement mm-hmm. rec room um, where he liked to tinker and was busy making his sister's
1: the box. box. Yeah.
0: Um, he was also shot in the head, though a pillow seemed to have been placed under his head for comfort. Nancy and Mrs. Clutter were tied down to their respective beds and also each shot in the head. Okay. So, for some reason, paranoia and mistrust spread through Holcomb.
1: <laughs> for some reason. Un- <laughs> unbeknownst to anyone. I don't know why. Could be the horrible family murder.
0: <laughs> There's a sense that if it could happen to the Clutters, who are very well-known and upstanding, um, then it could happen again. It could happen to anyone.
1: Yeah.
0: In the town of Olathe, Perry and Dick are eating out in a diner. Dick is ravenous, but Perry isn't hungry for much except aspirin. He's worried... Mm. You know how it is. He's worried they'll be caught, and gets Dick to admit that he had incorrect information. Um, I'm not sure if you find out here or not, but Dick heard that there was $10,000 inside the house. Which, in 1950s money, is...
1: A lot of look at it. A lot of Quick, we need to know. I wanna guess. Probably like fifty thousand dollars or something.
0: Not nothing. Ten thousand dollars. Ten. hundred and seven thousand. Whoa. So not nothing.
1: That's, that's nothing. Uh, yeah. Not nothing. No.
0: Susan Kidwell attends the Clutter family's funeral service. Nancy is in her red dress. Oh. All the clutters are dressed nicely, but their heads, unsalvageable for an open viewing, are wrapped up in cotton, about twice the size of a blown-up balloon. Ugh, that's
1: even creepier!
0: Yeah. Something has been sprayed on the cotton that makes it shiny and sparkly like fake Christmas tree snow.
1: Oh, I hate that.
0: Susan remembers (laughs) riding with Nancy on her pet horse, Babe. A thousand people attend the funeral.
1: A thousand? Mm Mm-hmm. So many. So
0: they come in from all over. I'm guessing.
1: What the fuck? Why? Why just people what?
0: who knew the clutters at some point in their lives? Whatever. Mm. Dick right. and Perry. We're back to Dick and Perry. They move from shop to shop in Olathe, writing bad checks in order to make themselves back a little of the money they would meant to get at the clutter house. Hmm. Soon, their car is full of items to pawn, including Chance but not so limited funny. to, um, like a little radio that Kenyon had made himself.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Agent Dewey back at Holcomb can hardly sleep because his phone is ringing off the hook with updates on the case. Everyone in the state seems to have a tip, each of which must be thoroughly investigated. Does he have a team?
1: Is it just him? He needs a team. He has a
0: team. He ends up having a team of like four people, but he's he's in charge. His wife, Marie, wonders aloud whether they'll ever have a normal life again.
1: No. No, worry.
0: No Marie. One of the older living clutter sisters, I think there's two, Mm -hmm. um, the one who was engaged, moves her wedding forward so that all the extended family in town for the funeral can come without extra expense. (laughs) <laughs> which is like i don't know if that's good or bad like is it good taste is it it's, bad taste Is like it... it's
1: ergonomical but it's in pretty bad taste Yeah, I don't know. she's she, but like, like no, for she, those people like for if the their funeral, like it's like on a lazy susan and then she like flips it around and mean... the wedding is on the other side
0: <laughs> but if their family's poor maybe it's kind to them to let to let them be able to come to the wedding as well
1: I don't know. I just kind of don't want to get married after my entire family has been slaughtered. Yeah, I guess so. Not really feeling it, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, Also, a letter from Bonnie Clutter's brother, whose name is Mr. Fox, appears in the local paper asking the town to exercise Christian forgiveness towards whoever killed his sister and her family. No. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, no one asked you, Mr. Fox. (laughs) Now, Perry and Dick are standing on a mountain outside of Mexico. Perry admits to Dick that he was surprised he was able to go through with the killings. This surprises Dick. The entire reason he recruited Perry in the first place for the for the job, although Perry doesn't know it, is that Perry once bragged to him that he'd killed a black man. He doesn't call him a black man, by the way. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> for no reason. Oh, he bragged that he'd great. killed this guy for no reason. However, unbeknownst to Dick, that was a lie to make him look
1: Tough. Tough as fuck, yeah. Jail. I don't know.
0: I don't know what the rules are. As they continue on their drive to Mexico, Dick swerves to hit stray dogs. I, I just... <laughs>
1: just sure. You know what? Whatever.
0: Do you want to look them up? Something. Do you want to look up pictures of them?
1: No, because oh. that is too creepy. Okay. I'm going to look it up in the morning.
0: <laughs> okay, sure.
1: When there's sun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: back in Hulk, Holcom- i didn't mean like crime scene photos i just meant of the two killers just to see what yeah. they are like okay
1: pussy no <laughs>
0: back in holcomb uh, wait hang on
1: <laughs> my goodness the you journalist- have your stupid dumb husband making you dessert and sleeping in bed with you i'm all alone oh, man okay, i'm sorry dear i don't have dessert
0: i don't know what that feels like to not have dessert or uh, someone to squish you and give you
1: can't wait to see you in six weeks when I can slap your fucking face off.
0: <laughs> I'm going to miss you so much.
1: <laughs> I can just get someone else to slap you if you want. I'm going to yeah, call David. Yeah, that would be good,
0: actually. It'd be like you right there. Anyway, back in Holcomb, <laughs> the journalists have left, right? Um, It's over, sort of. But gossip still thrives at Hartman's Cafe. A resident named Mr. McCoy has decided to move away because his wife is so scared she can't sleep.
1: McCoy, that's yeah. Alana. Well, half of her,
0: the Ashida family, a Japanese immigrant family whose wife was close with Herb because they worked on one of the same councils together, is also leaving. Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to give it a lot of time here, but Truman Capote spends a lot of time on Mrs. Ashida and and her relationship with Herb and how just nice it is. And what good friends they are. So it's really, really sad. Like it's just, sad. um, lovely. And then
1: you you didn't think to include that. Well, it's there's you, a lot, you, you know. Don't care. It,
0: it's it's kind of tangential to the plot. It just illuminates the character yeah. of Herb and kind of the town. But, um, he gives her like an award for her. And that day that he dies, anyway, she's the one of the last people to see him alive as well. Dick and Perry are in Mexico now. And they there they befriend a wealthy German tourist named Otto. Oh. And they, they're all
1: named Otto, aren't they?
0: Wealthy German oh. tourists, every single one. Yep. All every twelve of one. them. They, got, they Otto, got their German sugar daddy. They got their daddy. sugar yeah. sugar daddy, which in German is
1: Sugar Papa.
0: Va- butter. <laughs>
1: sugar Vader.
0: <laughs> you know, Life's beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) I don't Keep telling me! (laughs) They go in his boat around the Mexican coast on a lovely fishing holiday. Perry sings and plays guitar while Dick complains of a headache. I I guess.
1: Well, Perry should have some aspirin then, so whatever.
0: (laughs) No, but it's for (laughs) Perry. Get your own aspirin. It is Otto's last day in Mexico, and now penniless because the two, mainly Dick, have spent all their money on sex workers and drink. They're, um, I already said they're penniless, so they're just gonna head back into Mexico City where Dick is gonna try to get work as a mechanic. Okay. Just as the sun begins to set, Perry catches a huge sailfish. He's photographed with it and looks, it seems to him, just like he has arrived in the promised land. He's a very romantic boy.
1: Does the um the book have photos of these people like not the
0: one I read listened to uh-huh.
1: oh yeah how would that um, have a photo
0: yeah but um but these are all available um sorry Mr Helms yeah. remember him the groundskeeper of the Clutters is still keeping yeah, sure. he's still keeping those grounds um someone's gotta <laughs> someone's gotta keep them. one afternoon he <laughs> he's t- like
1: grounds kept <laughs> I don't know Dick. what else he has to do family dead I don't know <laughs> M-
0: milk eggs one afternoon he thinks he sees a face in bonnie clutter's window he calls Uh. the police who discover daniel adrian a vagrant who's been squatting in the house which is just so haunted he has a shotgun and a knife in his car so he's arrested alas a red herring the regular colored herrings are living in a hotel (laughs) in mexico city
1: Did you write that? I did you did. put that in there? It's was... <laughs> <That's> pretty
0: good. <laughs> they have entirely run out of money at this point and are about to be kicked out of their hotel at come 2 p.m. Mm. Perry must decide what of his two large boxes of letters and memorabilia he will take with him on the bus back to America and what he will leave behind to kind of send for later, um, get them mailed over. The boxes hold tacky souvenirs, old letters, and notebooks. Um, and as he sorts through them, we get to read a couple. So this is kind of our deep dive into Perry Smith's life. Truman Capote is clearly fascinated by Perry Smith, so, so Dick he spends a lot to more Mexico, time.
1: Dick in Mexico, and Perry wants to go back to America. No,
0: they both—they're both going back.
1: I thought Dick was gonna get a job or something. He was, Where's but it didn't car? work out.
0: He—he he ended up complaining like they only want to pay me, a fucking two pesos. I don't know. I don't know how much. Two pesos. He's like, <laughs> I get better, better work than this in America
1: um where's their car
0: um or are they taking a bus maybe i think yeah they're taking a bus so they must have ditched it or sold it
1: probably sold probably it probably sold some it has it, been on the money
0: is my guess so mm-hmm. he finds a letter from his father whose name is tex john smith um mm-hmm. he's the irish half which is essentially a biography of perry's childhood which he sent to the prison um to help him get an early parole. So it's like a character witness statement in a way. But it's also like a biography of it. Of Perry. In the letter, his father emphasizes that Perry was a normal child. Hmm. And that he is, quote, good-hearted.
1: Uh-huh. If he
0: is treated right. He says that Perry does have a tendency to rebel against authority, though. Um, and the letter, especially the way it leaves out certain details and is generally self-righteous, fills Perry with self-pity love and also hate for his father perry remembers watching his parents um whose stage names were tex and flo ride bucking horses at rodeos they were rodeo performers he remembers his parents divorce um how he went to stay with his mother he he, she got custody um and he tried to run away to his father i think his father came to his school one time because she wouldn't let him see the kids so he came to the school to see the kids and Perry wanted to run away with his father, but his father denied him. He was like, no, stay with your mom. Um, and it was turned away. At a certain point, um, Flo's drinking got so bad that the kids ended up in a Catholic orphanage. orphanage? Why can't
1: the dad just fucking take him? Oh, God. I well, I think he was in a
0: completely another state. I didn't even know if he knew what was going on at this point. Um, I know he did a lot of prospecting up in Alaska. Prospecting, like, for gold. <laughs> was oh apparently God. still a thing. So in this Catholic orphanage, nurses, um, nuns beat him because he wet the bed. Um, a chronic condition which came from malnourishment as a child. Oh no. And th- that's not how you
1: get someone to stop wetting the bed. <laughs>
0: yeah. They would apparently like surprise him in the dark. They would like catch him out. <laughs> That would make him pee more. Yeah. He'd just get scared. Um, appa- the only
1: reason he was pissing the bed is because he would get scared.
0: Apparently, one of the nuns beat him with a flashlight until it broke and then kept beating him with it in the dark. So. What? No. Yeah. Finally, his father took him in. Um, and he finished third grade, but that was the last schooling he ever got. Something he's always really been resentful of because he, he fancies himself very intelligent. He uses big words. Uh, he he wanted an education. He didn't get it. His father built a mobile home, and the two traveled the country together. So the other kids are either with the mother, moved out, still in an orphanage. I don't know what's happened, but they're they're sort of in the wind. Um, and he so just so the took, dad
1: only chose him. He was like out, took, out of all my kids, yeah, he I'll took just Perry take under you. his wing.
0: I think the others were a bit older as well. Harry joined the merchant marine when he was sixteen, and then the army after that. He was the first, um, soldier back from the korean war in alaska and he got a write-up in the paper for that they took his photo and stuff So there's that he was on his way to join his father in alaska prospecting i assume after finishing his service but a motorcycle wreck delayed him in washington state for a year a what a motorcycle wreck
1: uh, I oh, think like he said murder cycle ramp and I'm like, "What? <laughs> at
0: <laughs> um, a motorcycle accident?
1: Oh, that's what did his legs. Yeah, in... yeah. See, so the moral of the story is motorcycles are so dangerous. Like I've always yeah. wanted to feel how it is to like ride one, but at what cost? I like, go in a cute no little walls. Vespa
0: around like a quaint Italian city where there are no cars.
1: That would be cute. Or, yeah. or
0: the trucks are like tricycles but that won't like, be fast three though. Wheels. <laughs> You know that's not I mean? fast, that's just
1: like a scooter.
0: Exactly. That would be okay, but I wouldn't go on like a proper motorcycle on a proper road, I don't think.
1: I'd go if the person driving was like a profish and then I just to uh, experience it, but then the whole time I'd just be thinking I was gonna die. So it's a good point to yeah. both ends.
0: <laughs> um so Perry helps his father build a roadside lodge. But it never gained much business. He and his father began to starve. And they had a falling out over the last biscuit. (laughs) I know it's funny, but until it's not, you know, until you're starving. Perry headed for Massachusetts. Um, He planned to meet up with an old army friend, but along the way he fell in with, quote, bad company.
1: They could have cut the biscuit in half, is all I'm saying.
0: (laughs) Um. And then under the influence of this friend or this bad company, he ended up robbing an office supply store in Kansas,
1: an office supplies for
0: I don't know, fucking sure. post it notes.
1: Yeah, got some blue tag or something. I don't know what he's getting.
0: They were arrested for that, but Perry escaped in a stolen car and went to Massachusetts but failed to find his army friend. He moved to New York for a while, but eventually the Federal Bureau of Investigation caught up with him and brought him back to jail in Kansas where he met Dick this time his mother had died his brother jimmy had killed himself and his sister fern had quote fallen out of a window she had also killed herself
1: oh my goodness so
0: he's got one sister left and his father who's kind of lonely lone wolf he also finds a letter that his remaining sister barbara wrote him while he was in jail it scolds perry for feeling sorry for himself and blaming their father and his childhood for his troubles He's kind of, he must be, like, sitting in jail writing her letters going, like, meh, no one gives me a chance, meh, sort of thing.
1: Well, you're in jail, um, what else are you going to do? Yeah. It's pretty boring. Um,
0: Perry loathes his sister. At one point later in the story, he says, I wish it had been her in that house. So, <laughs> yeah. Perry also finds an interpretation of a sister's letter <laughs> written by his prison friend, Willie J., the one who kind of got him into religion. Yeah. And it's almost like when you send me, like, a text someone sent you and I'm, like, breaking it down, I'm like, okay, I think they feel this way, like, I think they mean this. <laughs> this is kind of what he's done here. Um, he he writes, it's, like, in quasi-intellectual language and Willie J writes that Barbara is obviously a conformist, <laughs> um, full of human frailty, um, and his interpretation is full of quotations from Barbara's letter. He's like, when she says this, it shows that she feels this. Um. And that makes Perry feel better. Like he likes that Willie J is kind of taking Barbara down. <laughs> yeah. So you're Willie um, J and I'm Perry. Yes.
1: And Barbara's anyone else.
0: Perry also finds some of his own notebooks. One is a dictionary of odd words that Perry has learned, such as Thanatoid or Depredate. Just mm. Latin words that no one would ever use, but. Except
1: for him because cool. he's quirky and intelligent and, you know, cool yeah. and fun.
0: Genuinely, that's how he feels.
1: <laughs> Fuck this
0: dude. Another is a kind of diary that includes odd facts and quotations.
1: Oh my god, I hate this guy so much. He's just one so of them was like, if thing.
0: ever called upon to make a speech, and he's like, I've forgotten what I was gonna say. But never has my happiness, never have I been so happy, and has my happiness relied on so many lovely people. He just like wrote a speech just in case he ever needed one. Like, <laughs>
1: oh my god.
0: Like an Oscar speech, he's he's a bit deluded. He has some delusions of grandeur.
1: Yeah, a bit.
0: Um, also, this is the point we learn where all the time while he's been looking through this stuff, Dick has been having sex on the other bed. And...
1: <laughs> he's just like, can you stop reading those out loud? You're kind of bumming me out. <laughs> like you're drying around, uh, out, uh, bro.
0: With a sex worker named Inez, which he whom he has promised to marry, but uh, he he lied.
1: Um, Perry
0: disapproves of this all, of course. Because he's he's a moral moral man, Perry.
1: Yeah, only murder. Only murder.
0: (laughs) So back to Agent Dewey. Okay, what's he up to? He's been working to the point of exhaustion, trying to track down these boys. Mm. He's on his way to check over River Valley Farm again for things he's missed, which is a habit of his. On his way, he stops at Hartman's Cafe, the gossip epicenter. Um, where some of the citizens harass him to arrest somebody already, so their wives will stop being afraid.
1: It's not how um, the law works, but sure.
0: That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Dick and Perry—he keeps switching back and forward, and it gets like quicker when when things, the, like the each section gets shorter when the tensions rising.
1: Yeah, kind of like a movie, like it's.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Dick and Perry are hitchhiking in the Mojave Desert. They almost have they have almost nothing and are waiting for a car to pick them up so they can like rob it at gunpoint.
1: Great. Is there a movie of this book?
0: I think so, yeah. Um and Capote is a really interesting movie because it's it's kind of this book, but from Truman's point of view as he's writing it.
1: Oh which a is really double story.
0: So it's like imagining what his emotional double involvement story. in the story is because he interviewed he had 8,000 pages of notes. He was he interviewed everyone deeply including the killers like this this book kind of wrecked his life like he, he had ptsd from it well no one
1: really asked him to do it but you know
0: <laughs> no no it's entirely his fault i don't really feel that sorry for him yeah but. it's a good book i'm glad he did it so a man named floyd wells is listening to the radio in his kansas jail cell he is shocked when he hears of the Clutter murders. Mm-hmm. Um, he never thought his old cellmate, Dick Hickok, would actually go through with his plans to rob and murder the family.
1: The family? Why does he just... he just knows of them. Okay.
0: Wells, a former River Valley Farm employee, so a former employee of Herb um, Clutter. He's the one that said there Hickok was 10K about in About Clutter. And told him, yeah, that he was a wealthy man, always paying his workers, which Wells used to be, in cash. This is how Dick heard about the clutters through Floyd Wells. He waits for several weeks out of fear that he'll be implicated in the crime. Um, And then about the time Dick and Perry are hitchhiking, Wells nervously reports this information to the authorities. He finally owns up.
1: So it's because of him that these people are dead, essentially. He's like, yeah, he paid me. Kind of. Something wrong about that guy.
0: (laughs) I think he's rich. He Um, pays his workers. (laughs) 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 Alvin Dewey enters his home. Agent Alvin Dewey enters his home to find his wife preparing dinner. He listens to her for a while, then breaks the news that they found the two dudes. Showing her the mugshots of the two men.
1: She's like, okay.
0: (laughs) He's obviously stoked. Um, Another KBI agent, Harold Nye, so this is one of his team of four, visits the home of Dick Hickok's family, his mom and dad, and doesn't mention the Clutter case to Dick's parents, but tells them about the hot checks instead. You know, the fake checks they were writing? Mm -hmm. They tell him Dick has supposedly um, visited Fort Scott on the weekend of the murders, um, but he does notice a shotgun resting casually against the wall. Still hitchhiking, Dick and Perry finally get a ride with a lone man who seems fairly well-to-do. Just as Dick gives Perry the symbol to club the driver's head with a rock, the driver pulls over for another hitchhiker.
1: Nice.
0: Blissfully ignorant of almost being killed. Um, Okay, so Nye goes to Las Vegas, where he speaks to Perry's old landlord. She is not much help, but he does find the box of memorabilia that Perry left behind. Mm -hmm. Nye then visits Perry's sister, Barbara. The one who wrote him the letter um, in San Francisco. Her children and husband are playing in the backyard and she's expecting guests very soon. She's a very, like, normal, nice lady.
1: Yeah, she, she got out of that
0: <laughs> Yeah. Hole. She reports that she has not heard from Perry and would report it if she did. She's afraid of him. Fair, yeah. Now in Iowa, Dick and Perry take refuge from the rain in a barn by the highway. Dick wants to return to Kansas City um, because he's sure he can pass some checks there. Having been successful in the past, I guess. Um, despite it being near the scene of the crime. Yeah. And besides that, a violation of their parole. Still.
1: I think the murder is also a big violation of their parole. Yeah. So um. <laughs>
0: uh. Adds up. It adds up. In the barn, they find a 1956 Chevy with a key in the ignition. Oh, They perfect. steal it. Because how could you not?
1: Yeah. Who the fuck did that? They're just. <laughs> hope no one steals my Chevy in the barn with my key still in it. <laughs>
0: Agent Dewey is careful to keep Wells' confession um, from leaking. There are a few rumors going around at Garden City, but none in Holcomb, where the murders are now a forbidden subject in Hartman's Cafe. Because <laughs> I guess is just too like, much. just shut up.
1: I'm not helping anyone.
0: Oh, there was a thing where, like, Perry had a dream of hunting treasure in Mexico.
1: So no, it's just because he just he just wanted tradition. to live out
0: his boyhood fantasy, and that's what his plan to go to in Mexico was, and Dick kind of went along with it. Um,
1: Did they find anything? Did they get a metal Perry, detector? No,
0: they didn't actually do it. Oh. Um, they ended up just you know, boozing and whoring. but um, because Dick didn't actually care, he didn't really want to do it. He was just get, telling Perry what he wanted to hear because he knew because he thought. Perry was his cold blooded killer who'd be able to help him with this thing. Oh, so he was like, Yeah, man, we'll go to Mexico, whatever. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it, honey. He called him honey.
1: Dick called Perry honey.
0: Yeah, he calls him honey all the time. Is he gay? No. Oh. He's, he's a he's a pedophile though. You'll learn that later. Anyway, um Okay. I asked if
1: he's gay and you tell me he's a pedophile. I was don't
0: no, they're not. They're not the same. Obviously, <laughs> they're very different. Take these You're out. asking about a sexuality, and I was just telling you what his deal children
1: <laughs> preference <laughs> kids disgusting girls specifically
0: young girls. Anyway, um, um
1: ugh, ugh.
0: yeah.
1: How old are these guys? Like, would you late twenties? Late twenties. Okay,
0: like twenty eight. I think.
1: Ish. Okay. And if you um, when you say younger, like, are we talking sixteen years old or six years old?
0: I uh, like 1314 was the one he told. Talk- anyway, I'll, t- I'll tell you, we're about to go to Miami. Oh, that's um, fun. Woo. But in the meantime, Perry is sitting nervously in a laundromat in Kansas City. Dick dropped him off and promised to come back soon, but he's late. Perry is haunted by visions of police. But finally, Dick returns, having switched the license plate on the car yeah. and passed several big checks. So they're ready to go on their next adventure. Agent Dewey has a nightmare in which he walks into a cafe and sees the killers. They leap through the plate glass window and he chases after them. He wakes up in his office. As he gets ready to leave, he gets a phone call. It's Nye reporting that Dick Hickok has been writing checks all over Kansas City. Nice. They're they're closing in. Yeah. However, Dick and Perry are sitting under an umbrella at a beach in Miami.
1: Son of a bitch. sounds so idyllic
0: i know it's around christmas time dick goes for a walk and tries to befriend a young girl no noticing this is enough to disgust perry and interrupt his contemplation of suicide what it's just you know 3 p.m contemplation of suicide
1: so perry's just like should Um, i kill myself and dick's like hang on i'm just gonna hit on a 12 year old then i'll get back (laughs) and
0: then perry's like gross um, he's deeply disgusted by any anyone he sees as not being able to control their sexual urge, urges, especially um, anything he sees as a perversion. Um, and Dickie, yeah, like I said, is definitely a pedophile and Dis- admits to it
1: later. Oh. God.
0: Yeah, over in Kansas on Christmas morning, Bobby Rupp, Nancy's old BF. Um, yeah. Late, late. <laughs> no one is it. What's the boyfriend version of a widow? Um, Anyway, he had a painting of her on his wall. What? No, don't!
1: (laughs) Don't do that.
0: (laughs) He remembers how he would always brave the snows to walk over to the Clutter house and give Nancy her present.
1: He can still do that. She just won't be there.
0: (laughs) Bobby goes out running mindlessly and ends up in Mr. Clutter's prize orchard where the fruit is rotting in the Indian summer. Even though it's Christmas, so I assume that just means summer lasts really long.
1: Well, they are in Hotville,
0: Kansas. Dick and Perry, having run out of money again, are returning to the West looking for work. In Texas, they pick up a young boy and his decrepit grandfather. Oh no! The mother, or aunt, or someone of the boy just died. Um, but they have family somewhere in Texas. Though each town they go to says the person they're looking for is in a different town, so they're you know having having a time. What
1: are they gonna do with this old guy and this young young boy? What are they doing with them? Uh,
0: they're giving them a lift why dick is scared the grandfather will die in the car but is mollified by the boy's ability to spot empty bottles along the roadside which they pick up and cash in at a roadside restaurant (laughs) refunds they used to do for glass bottles it's cute um i think they pick perry just wanted to pick them up
1: okay
0: he gets these notions
1: dick's just like okay not my type but whatever (laughs)
0: <laughs> on December 30th, Alvin <gasps> Dewey is called out of the shower. Oh, yeah, on Sam's birthday, oh, no. Alvin Dewey is called out of the shower what? by one of his sons to Stay answer an urgent phone call.
1: It's me. It's my birthday.
0: <laughs> you know, the phone call is like, it's Sam's birthday. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, <laughs> it's urgent. Oh. Um, as his wife wonders why he's dripping water everywhere as he runs to the house, he suddenly hugs her. It's Sam's birthday, he says. <laughs>
1: She's like, great, but you're getting water everywhere. And he's like, it's all right. <laughs> it's her birthday.
0: Um, he has not taken a minute off from the case since it began in mid-November. Mm-hmm. A police officer in Las Vegas has spotted the killer's license plate yes. just after Perry picked up the rest of the memorabilia he mailed from Mexico City to his old hotel nice. in Vegas. In the Las Vegas police station, the four KBI agents, Dewey, Nye, and uh, Clarence Dunce and Roy Church, the other two... Mm-hmm. Are preparing to question Dick and Perry. Nye has the flu, but he says that his fever is partly excitement. <laughs> I don't know if it's the flu or I'm just stoked.
1: <laughs> He's the realist. Get him.
0: The prisoners start off believing they are being questioned for passing hot checks. Is, is this still Nye... part one?
1: Or are you just not telling me what parts No, were I think doing? I missed where you part two happened. You I'm you sorry. Dick. Yeah. You sorry.
0: dick. I don't think I put in any part names apart from part Are,
1: one. You fi- Oh my god! This whole time I'm, I'm like, sorry. this is still part one.
0: This is part the whole story.
1: You so- oh my god!
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, uh,
1: she says, not sounding sorry at all.
0: I'm not tiny okay.
1: little drunk eyes. Fuck Just you like...
0: <laughs> Just listen. Just listen. <laughs> Night and church question dick who is cocky and kind of proud of his bad checks to be honest <laughs> and reminds them that he's been questioned before so he knows the he knows the deal huh. as they lead up to the hot checksbury and Olath, dick tells them that they went to fort scott failed to find perry's sister and spent the night with two prostitutes yeah. um this is on the night of the murder when they ask him what they were uh, doing. this is the this
1: alibi <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and the same thing they told dick's parents Um, Dick takes pride in recounting the exact addresses of every place they stayed on their cross-country travels. Finally, Nye comes to the point and accuses Dick of the murders. He denies them, but he's visibly shaken. He's just like, I got the flu, I
1: don't have time for this.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, Dewey and Dunce question Perry. They repeat the process used with Dick, with basically the same result. Perry is very upset and afterwards lies troubled in his cold cell, as does Dick the next day dick breaks the two officers show him photographs of the footprints from the scene of the crime which match dick's boots and perry's boots they actually didn't even throw them away they found them with the boots so
1: well it's not like they're like lucky break for the cops it's not like they're super Mm -hmm. smart or anything they just seem to be like bad people
0: They actually did pretty well cleaning up a lot of the evidence. Well, they, um, not well enough.
1: Up... Stop defending the killers again, Obviously Sandy. Obviously not
0: well enough, but they picked up the shells and stuff. Like, the, the cops, the footprints were the only clues, remember? They didn't even have um, spent shells.
1: Well, Anyway. here yeah, they
0: are Yeah, in not prison. good enough. Blah, 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 blah. Dick blames the actual killings on Perry. And mentions to them that Perry had bragged about killing a black man in cold blood. Title... <laughs> and again he doesn't say black man
1: yes we get it Andy.
0: this is every it's in every single book we do
1: i don't yeah i wonder what that means for once i'd I'd like to read a book with a a black person and for them not to be called the n-word that'd be so great (laughs)
0: be be different back at hartman's cafe news comes over the radio that two suspects have been arrested nice people are shocked and also a little skeptical mainly because they're complete strangers and why would complete strangers do something that savage to these people
1: cold blood Um, for
0: no reason right
1: there was a reason they just don't know
0: yeah The suspects are taken in two different cars on the long drive to Garden City, Kansas. Perry doesn't confess until Dewey tells him the story about Perry killing a black man, something that only Dick would know, which proves that this isn't a ruse by the police to get him to flip and that Dick actually has confessed and blamed him. Oh, my God. Dick. So, he does flip. He gives a full confession of everything that had happened that night. Mm -hmm. Dick had thought... Oh, and this is where we actually hear what had happened. Finally. Dick had thought that the Clutter had a large safe. With, as we heard, ten thousand dollars in it. Mm-hmm. When they didn't find it, Perry wanted to leave, but Dick wanted to look around more, desperate to find the money. They wake and tie up the entire family. The process takes hours. Perry is frantic. Dick wants to rape Nancy. Ugh. But Perry threatens to kill him if he does. Yay, Finally, Perry shoots the two men downstairs, well slits Herb's throat and then shoots someone and then shoots Kenyon. And then Dick shoots the two women upstairs.
1: Uh.
0: When the police cars arrive in Garden City, a large stunned crowd watches the criminals walk from the cars to the jail. Um, this scene in Capote is really cool because, like Capote's there in the crowd.
1: Um, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, like
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's so good, he's like super he's just... imposed into the crowd. He's so like... good,
1: like Forrest. G- oh, you haven't seen Forrest Gump? Never mind. Sandy's never seen Forrest Gump. I find that so strange.
0: The Garden City Jail.
1: You haven't seen Forrest Gump, Gump seen Forrest Gump either. Everyone's seen Forrest Gump. It's Forrest Gump.
0: Um, statistically, if we take this group as, it's it's thirty percent of people have seen Forrest Gump. Oh my God. The Garden City Jail is on the fourth floor of the county courthouse. That floor is also the home of Wendell Meyer, the assistant sheriff, and his wife Josephine. The quote lady's cell is part of their apartment. It's like just off their kitchen. Hmm. Um, And Perry is in that cell because they wanted to keep the two men separate. So Perry's kind of living in a little cage in in their house. Yeah, that's so weird. Uh. Josephine finds him quiet and sweet, but her husband, who is at the scene of the crime, corrects her as saying something like, he'd kill you as soon as look at you. Yep. Perry keeps a journal in his cell, which we get to read bits and pieces of. Um... He corrects his earlier confession, saying that, in fact, he personally shot all four victims. But Agent Dewey is skeptical, suspecting that he's just saying that for the benefit of Dick, who doesn't want his parents to think of him as a killer.
1: What? Why is he doing that for Dick? He likes him. That's stupid. Perry
0: hears on the radio that the district attorney will seek the death penalty.
1: Good. Let's keep going.
0: Neither Perry's sister nor father come to visit him. Oh... He receives a kind letter, though, from an old army friend, Don Cullivan, who read about the case in the papers. Don wants to be Perry's friend and tell him about Catholicism. Okay. Oh, where's Willie J, Crofts... baby? It's in the wind. Oh. Perry crafts an enthusiastic response, explaining how he doesn't believe in religion, but would love to be Don's friend.
1: <laughs> uh, note to the first part, yes to the second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Dick seems very relaxed, relaxed smoking and reading um, porn. But he's working on an ice pick-like shiv crafted from a toilet brush he stole and is planning to escape.
1: A toilet brush.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Perry's diary continues. He notes that the sheriff searched the rooms and found Dick's shiv. He fantasizes that some men he sees outside plan to rescue him, but nothing comes of it. It seems like an actual delusion, the way he writes it down. Like, he's like, there are people here to rescue me, and then I've been communicating them by, like, winking or (laughs) something. And it's Um, just, like, the gardener, he he genuinely is potentially schizophrenic.
1: Yeah. He's had enough trauma in his life. Too. Yeah.
0: He dreams of the big yellow parrot that will rescue him. The parrot is Christ, by the way.
1: And he doesn't believe in religion. Yeah.
0: The trial begins. The state-appointed counsel suggests a change, of vi- a change of venue on account of the jury knowing the case and being prejudiced, um, but it is denied. A psychologist is called in. There is, a quest to de- there is a request to delay the trial because the clutter estate sale will take place the day before the trial, another thing that might prejudice the jury, but this motion's denied as well. Hmm. On the first day of the trial, the jury is selected. Perry pays little attention, focusing on the autobiography that the psychologist asked him to write for their psychological assessment.
1: I loves that. Um,
0: his writing's disjointed and intense, mentioning some of the more traumatic Events in his life. It's like he's trying to be really detailed, but then he realizes he's running out of time, and he kind of just scrams as much in there as he can. Yeah.
1: So everyone ever when submitting an assignment like would yeah at eleven <laughs> yes. fifty nine p.m. and it's like eleven forty eight, mm-hmm. and you're just like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dick does the same. He writes as well, but he's more casual. And um, he while he's doing it, he pays some attention to the jury selection that's going on. The next day, the state begins to present its case. Routine witnesses are called, such as those who are at the scene of the crime. Mm -hmm. Floyd Wells testifies. The trial progresses through the week. Dewey, Agent Dewey, is the last to testify. His testimony is very important because it's the first time the public has heard a description of what actually took place on the night of the murders. Mm -hmm. The fact that Dick wanted to rape Penancy Clutter shocks the courtroom, as do the crime scene photos, which the defense tried to prohibit the admission of, in fact, obviously. Don Cullivan, um, Perry's army buddy, yeah. visits Perry in his jail cell.
1: At least someone visited Perry.
0: Well, Truman Capote's visiting every day.
1: Well, no Truman- oh my god, he's just a little, little true crime fanboy.
0: Sure is. Um, That's the one thing that kind of runs throughout this novel that doesn't get brought up, but definitely affects it, is that everyone here- Truman Capote is in every scene that he's describing. He just doesn't put himself in it.
1: Dick's parents visit him, I'm guessing?
0: Yeah, they do. Don Cullivan's attempts to convert Perry fail, but the two <laughs> share a dinner Mrs. Meyer had prepared especially for them. I think she's fond of him.
1: Shouldn't be, but okay. He makes
0: her favourite. I don't know. On Monday, the defence makes its case. The only witness of substance is their psychologist. Mm. According to Kansas's McNaughton rule, which determines... Um, um innocence by insanity Mm -hmm. um all a psychologist can do is testify whether or not a defendant could tell right from wrong at the time of the crime yeah so it's a it's a very simple rule to determine whether someone um can get off on insanity i
1: wonder if that's definitely not how it is now (laughs) not
0: anymore now it's it's way more complicated it's like um
1: so we don't have were to go they, into Were it, they but...
0: inhibited by mental illness or something during the commission of the crime? It's, it's a lot more broad and better. Yeah, this is yes um, or no. Truman Capote is pretty openly critical of the McNaughton rule in this part of the story. Mm. And, and of the death penalty. In regards to Perry, the psychologist says that he's not sure whether Perry could tell right from wrong at the time of the crime. But the judge does not let him say anything further Capote on the other hand Includes what the psychologist would have said His prepared mm-hmm. statement That he wasn't allowed to read Which carefully diagnoses Perry As a potential paranoid schizophrenic Yeah. Oh, was, yeah. one fun fact that, um, that I forgot to mention While Trimmy Capote was down in Kansas Researching uh, Nell Harper Lee His friend and fellow author Helped him do the research And interview people Ah. She wrote to kill, kill a walking, walking Bird. Bird. There's a great scene in the movie where Capote—it's like her. I think it's her movie premiere, <laughs> and Capote's just in a shit mood because the the trials are going on and on and on. <laughs> and he's like, "They're torturing me now." And then his uh, uh, and then his partner's like, "Can you at least try to be happy for her?" <laughs> and he can't because no. he's obsessed with himself.
1: Yeah, sounds so, about right. Yeah. Okay, so. What I'm gathering is yeah. uh, this trial isn't really a trial. It's just like, uh, let's hang them. Come on. It is go. a
0: bit. It is a bit. I mean, they've pretty much like, all they the got evidence the confessions. This point, they it's got con- the evidence. Yeah. It's just a matter of do they hang them or do they get them life in prison? And in the state of Kansas during this period in time, unfortunately, the normal thing and the the done thing was hanging people.
1: They did kill like four people. blood. In cold in blood. Cold blood. Mm.
0: For $40, which in today's money was...
1: Elena, Elena. what's your cue? $40 (laughs) in today's money. Oh my God. (laughs) God. How much wine have you had?
0: She works so hard. Thank you. Okay, so So not enough to four people. $100 per
1: person. $100 per person. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's so fun. like that's the thing they didn't even have to kill them yeah. like if the money wasn't there they could have just because like didn't they have the oh they didn't get the stockings no, but they, they could have still just fucked off I don't know they didn't have to kill they didn't have to do anything that they did that's the they whole they didn't yeah that's the point point. and yet they did and they did yeah, the guy in the prison that told them about the, the whatever their name is, he's just like...
0: The clutters. <laughs> yeah, he, he testified. He, they, the prosecution dressed him up in, like, a nice blue suit. They tried to make him look respectable. Um, yes. So he was people, like, they yeah. paid
1: me a fair wage, so I thought they were
0: rich. And <laughs> the high society of Garden City comes to the courtroom to hear the summations of the case. Not because they're interested, they claim, um, but simply out of respect for the judge.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, Judge Tate is famous for his addresses to the jury
1: Oh nice, what does he say?
0: He calls for the death penalty And they return it He had asked the jury not to be Quote, chicken hearted And after the death penalty is issued And the two prisoners leave the courtroom Perry says to Dick on the way out No chicken hearted jurors, they And they both laugh out loud Which <laughs> I think they caught a picture of I think there's a famous picture of the two of them laughing oh. On their way out of the courtroom in the corner of lansing penitentiary is a small enclosure death row it is known as the corner so the last section of the book is called the corner
1: oh so you go to the first and the last section we just two and three are just one big section
0: i'm very sorry about this
1: okay all of her tonight is sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: not i don't give a fuck
1: well then stop saying it I would respect you more.
0: I did it in cold blood. (laughs) You didn't do the parts in cold
1: blood. I didn't get my charger in cold blood. blood.
0: (laughs) Small crimes, but they add up. Along with Dick and Perry in Death Row, there are three other prisoners. One of them is the famous Lowell Lee Andrews, a young biology student who slaughtered his family. Um, in the hopes that he would inherit all their money and be able to buy himself a fancy car and go to... He's absolutely a psychopath. He just doesn't feel human emotions.
1: Yeah. Um. He <laughs> Did he not think he would go to jail for murdering his family?
0: He thought he'd get away with it. But they found him, like, it was really weird. Um, They found him on the porch of his family's house, like, just playing, patting the dog. And he's like, they're in there. <laughs>
1: I don't know what happened, Mm officer, but uh...
0: Yeah. Like he's tried to set himself up an alibi and everything, like he went to see a movie and stuff. But they were like, That kid's creepy. I think he did it. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like he was, and he did. Um he's also certifiably schizophrenic, according to a psychological assessment of him, and a book arguing against the McNaughton rule was based on him, which is a fun fact. Dick passes the time smoking and reading porn, and also law books, because he's gonna try and get off on appeal okay he constantly writes to various organizations requesting help with appeals meanwhile Perry is trying to starve himself to death oh yeah they have to feed him through a tube for a bit I think
1: wow
0: then upon receiving a letter from his father he decides he wants to live two years of postponed execution dates fly by this is the point in the story where Truman Capote is like they're killing me <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the part is like um they're literally gonna kill them
0: yeah well yeah cuz he's... he's like I can't finish the story until I know how it ends.
1: So. <laughs> can't finish it until they kill him. My goodness, Truman.
0: The prisoners I are What his nickname is? True. Truey. Man.
1: <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> hey man. Hey man. <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> the prisoners are eventually joined by um George York and James Latham to a wall um Soldiers. Absent without leave is what AWOL stands for. Yep. I didn't know that before. Oh. So I was like, away without uh being allowed. I Love. <laughs> without,
1: <laughs> do you think allowed is spelled with an O? What <laughs>
0: it's one of those uh, um shitty acrostics uh, that you see in like oh. memes.
1: Away without being <laughs> elbow <laughs> close enough, <laughs> without being
0: <allowed. laughs> Shut grounded. Up. Shut up, teenagers who went. They're both teenagers who went on a killing spree across the country, having decided that they hated life and all people who were alive. Wow, just straight up natural born killers. Them oh yeah, one of Dick's letters a works. A representative of the Kansas Bar Association, a man named Schultz, takes up the case. A hearing is held claiming that the jury was prejudiced, that the state-appointed defense did not try hard enough, and that Judge Tate was biased. Um, Not wrong. Well, but Tate, the lawyers, and the jury quickly and fiercely dispel any doubt that Dick and Perry had a fair trial. So they're like, no, next. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, but I... (laughs) Talking Empire, to a journalist who is periodically allowed to visit. Wonder to who that could be. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> Dick <laughs> describes the night Andrews is executed. Dick likes An- liked Andrews, but Andrews annoyed Perry because Andrews was actually college educated. He was very educated and was constantly correcting Perry's speech, as Perry once used to correct Dick's.
1: <laughs>
0: Dick speaks about how he likes the other prisoners. Um, And about how he's tried to get along with Perry, who he thinks is always jealous and two-faced. Dick says that he's not against the death penalty, for he understands the impulse for revenge. After a total of five... He says something like, um, so long as it's not me at the end of the noose, I approve of hanging. But then it is. Um, After a total of five years, the case goes to the Supreme Court twice. Perry and Dick are finally hanged on April 15th 1965
1: is it still hanging it's not like the chair or anything it's hanging
0: in Kansas it's hanging
1: wow
0: yeah um agent Dewey attends the execution
1: so they're hanged at the same time
0: they're hanged one right after the other on the same night Uh agent Dewey attends the execution he is surprised by how casual everyone is um also it's like in a warehouse in in the prison which is like full of stuff
1: do the lying other around two like um, stuff? sisters attend, like, the remaining... No,
0: they don't. And and, and Dick is and kind of family? disappointed. Dick is disappointed not to see any of the family there because he se- it seems to him like it's not being done properly, like it, like the revenge <laughs> isn't being served or whatever. He's like, come on, I'm dying here. <laughs> then anyone, about... wanna, this is for you. <laughs> you don't want to see?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's in cold blood. <laughs> anyone, um, anyone of their family come? Uh, no. no oh, I don't think they're allowed, so...
0: though. I don't know.
1: really? okay. Oh, I, 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 know. I
0: honestly don't know. Um when Dick enters Dick's first, he says that he holds no hard feelings against the state and he shakes hands with all four KBI officers. Um, and he thinks <laughs> Good them, show. the show Truman says he thanks them like he's attending his own funeral.
1: <laughs> well, he is.
0: yeah, a little bit. um,
1: a lot bit. He's gonna die,
0: so he's he's hanged. Next, Perry enters, and he winks mischievously at Agent Dewey. No. However, when asked for his last words, he sobers up. He says that he is against the death penalty and that he is sorry. And then he is hanged. He says something like, um... He, like, kind of falters halfway through, but he's like, maybe I could have had something to offer. But then he's like, Truman says he's overcome by shyness, and he stops talking. Um,
1: So Truman was there At the execution
0: Definitely As he exits Agent Dewey does not feel relief Instead he remembers a recent trip to the graveyard Where the Clutters are buried There he ran into Susan Kidwell Who was visiting the grave of Nancy Clutter Susan told him about how well she was going And how Bobby Rupp Had just been married (laughs) He saw the wind blow over the grass And that is the end of the story
1: oh and apparently actually
0: and i hate to do this to you that last little scene where he goes to the graveyard the real agent dewey said yeah that never happened truman made that up among a couple couple other things um there's like a scene where the the jailer lady where perry was like living in her house (laughs) yeah in the in the jail she like holds his hand and cries after he gets the death penalty Oh, he, hes crying, doesn't. and she holds his hand while he cries, and she's like, "Yeah, that never happened." Yeah. So he made you a couple gotta things take up. take some
1: creative liberties to make it. Yeah. A little juicy.
0: So now it's like, but it's also so detailed and factual and researched that it's like, well, what's real? What's not real? So yeah, that's in cold blood by Truman Capote. That's a bummer. Pioneer of true crime, and the the nonfiction novel. American, great American, nonfiction, novel.
1: It was really good, but it was just, just sad. Mm. Like no one won.
0: Real life, man.
1: Real life like, is that sad. That whole family died for forty bucks.
0: Yeah, I know. I I've always found it one of the least satisfying crimes to hear about. So I I guess the thing that's so fascinating about it. Is also the thing that makes it so unsatisfying and boring, which is that there was no reason. Yeah,
1: it was just in cold blood.
0: Yeah, there was like <laughs> yeah, it was just. Mm. There's no, you know, there's nothing to figure out. There's no real mystery. It's just yeah. no motive. I guess that's the problem for me.
1: It's just mindless violence. Yeah. But um.
0: So some people analyze it and they're like it's kind of a little bit about the american dream like the clutters were living at the american dream but the american well, dream sake. Only everything wo- was
1: the american dream in that era of literature
0: yeah true but but like the american dream only exists as long as you're able to keep the marginalized out and when the marginalized come in it erupts into violence is one is one take that people have taken it's a bit nihilistic though it's kind of like nothing matters. But, um, yeah, Truman grew really fond, it's said, of Perry Smith in particular.
1: Maybe
0: he um, shouldn't have. Maybe he
1: shouldn't have. I don't know. He's hot in the movie, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just...
0: <laughs> I don't know. Just... Like, maybe that's the reason.
1: It's really... In- it was a really interesting book, and it was, like it did feel like it was just a story but the scary part of it is that it actually happened and mm. there's like receipts to back it up but it is it's so depressing it's so unsatisfying it's just like they died for nothing and then these people died you, you know what i mean it's just like yeah.
0: and yeah and, and, and was justice served through that like yeah and it not feel like it when you go through that whole journey yeah and there was just
1: this one guy that was like oh these people paid me a wage. They have 10K and they're safe. And then these two fucking morons are like, let's kill them.
0: Yeah. It's just like,
1: how are you so sure? <laughs> and they didn't even have the 10K. Just leave them alone.
0: <laughs> I know. And if they'd actually, like, done what Perry said and, and covered their faces, it wouldn't have had to kill them?
1: Yeah. If they so... just covered their faces and just left, and, like it, like, the family would have been shaken up. But they'd be fine.
0: Yeah. And, would like, and like sure, leave no witnesses, and you might get away with it, but you didn't, and you ended up getting a worse punishment than if you'd just been caught for robbing a house.
1: Yeah, like armed robbery. Like, you wouldn't so, get the death penalty mm. for that.
0: But, you know, it's easy for us to say with 2020... Well, I mean, like, it is easy to say don't kill anyone, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, we can't really argue against their... Um, judgments with logic because they weren't made with logic (laughs) it's like and that's another thing that's sort of unsatisfying about them I guess
1: that's true yeah it's not like they had like this big elaborate plan or anything they were just like we got money we want it they didn't have it I'm just glad the women weren't raped
0: me too yeah and you know you think at least well at least it was a quick death
1: yeah ugh it's just gross. It's not a
0: good it's not a great solace, but it's what are we
1: doing next week? I hate this. Let's do something fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are we doing something um, nice? No.
1: Sorry, Carrie. someone um Academy of Classy Style just followed me and um and their bio says if you're asking someone for money wear a tie (laughs) okay thanks
0: good to know or or bring a shotgun
1: huh that's just armed robbery (laughs) this (laughs) one's just polite asking like anyone got any money i got a tie on
0: Maybe that's what Dick and Perry should have done. No, like, anyone? (laughs) Would you like to invest in uh, me? Since I have a tie? As.
1: (laughs) You see this tie, right? I'm all business.